Okay, let's get into it. We have uh, Rick Turnquest in studio, my guest, Meridude. Uh, we are talking about this piece. It just went up, and my gosh, it's already starting to, to get all kinds of traction here on Facebook. And that is this piece that you've done for us. It's the Colorado Democrats, 1984, and Newspeak. Uh, and uh, where do you want to start? Uh, maybe Newspeak, how language is just another weapon that's being used in the whole arsenal of progressivism. Right. So kind of the origin of the term Newspeak is uh, it's a term that was coined in the book in the novel 1984, which was written by Englishman George Orwell in, and published in 1949. And basically 1984 is a dystopian vision, vision of the future of the United Kingdom. And in the novel, the United Kingdom is part of a larger entity, entity known as Oceania, which consisted of the American continents, the British Isles, the southern half of Africa, and Australia. And the, the story follows this journey of Winston Smith. And I'm not going to go into great detail here because I want to I encourage people to read the book. It's not a very long read. You can get through it in a, in a few hours. And it's quite uh, entertaining and illustrative of, uh, of you know, some of the core concepts behind uh, the mind control that the left wants to employ uh, to advance their agenda. And the story follows the journey of Winston Smith, who's an outer party member who works in the Ministry of Truth. And basically his job is to uh, sit in the Ministry of Truth all day and, and uh, change newspaper articles and, and other documents to reflect the history that the party wants to have out there. It seems like it's happening now with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube all monitoring uh, hate speech. Yeah, that's right. Any, any speech they don't like or that they disagree with, uh, which is mostly conservatives, uh, is labeled as hate speech, even though it's nothing of the sort. And, and, and there are you know, real active measures to, uh, to demonetize and to, and to uh, deplatform uh, conservative speakers on these social media platforms. So it's just a modern version of what Winston did in, in, mm-hmm. in the novel. And uh, he begins to resist the thought control of the English Socialist Party and uh, engages in an affair with a younger woman named Julia. And Winston and Julia end up making contact with an inner party member, like an elite member of the party named O'Brien, whom they believe to be a member of an imagined resistance. And after being provided with a copy of the book, uh, Manifesto about the Principles of English Socialism, this is where the book, the novel gets a little bit difficult trudging because you got to read through, you know, this long chapter that's all, you know, basically the principles of English socialism as imagined by George Orwell. Uh, They have a rented room above an antique shop where they can get away from the constant monitoring by the telescreens. So in the, in the book, every member of the party has a two-way television in their home by which the thought police can monitor their thoughts and actions. Okay, and, now, I know this is a do-do-do-do question, but, you know, like the Alexa and the, you know, all those yes. things. I mean, in a way, it's almost like Orwellian. Yes, it is. In fact, you know, these these devices are always listening to us. And, Even when uh, they're off? The, 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 from what I've heard, you know, if if I pick up my iPhone and I and I say, hey, Siri, and my phone just woke up, um, it's going <laughs> it, to it's listening to you so that so that it can respond to your uh, to your voice commands. OK, just a qu- quick comment on this. There are th- I mean, it's neat. All this technology is neat. Right. And, and in many ways, it makes our lives. I mean, we can c- connect with people and and but yet things that are neat can also be nefarious. This is true. And, and it's it's just like with 
I hate to say this, but it's just like with firearms, you know, they're tools. It's, it's not the intrinsic object itself that's good or evil. It's what people make, it's how people use it that, that makes it for good or evil. And, and the truth is, you know, the, the government can and does, you know, through cameras and, and other technologies, you know, monitor people and monitor their movements. And, and it's very similar to, uh, you know, to what, Orwell imagined in his book back in the in the 1940s. So these things can be used for good, but they can use be used for bad. That's so exactly con- true. So continue on. So anyway, um, Julia and, and Winston meet with O'Brien in O'Brien's home, and O'Brien apparently can turn off his telescreen since he's a member of the Inner Party, but it still records. Of course, yeah, but it still records what's being said as as is found. Winston finds out to his regret later in the book, um, and at, after months, you know. And there's this, a really poignant scene where they're, where Winston and Julia are finally uh, arrested by the thought police. And um, after months of torture, brainwash, beatings, and uh, you know, final the final scary torture of Room 101, uh, Winston and Julia are both broken and destroyed. And they're not murdered as as you would expect in um, you know something like this, but they're released as in, back into society and. Uh, they were destroyed as human beings. The last words of the book, speaking of Winston, he loved Big Brother. And Big Brother, of course, is the personification of the party, a figure modeled after Joseph Stalin. And this Big Brother is everywhere. Oh, yeah. In, in the book, yeah. yeah. And so p- coming out of this book was the concept of Newspeak. And what Newspeak was, was it was a language where it was it had a limited vocabulary and restricted get grammar and it was designed so that people would not be able to think in or express ideas that were counter to the tenets of the party in other words it was a form of thought control mm-hmm. by only you know you, instead of being able to to freely express your your thoughts you were in newspeak you were limited to certain words and certain modifiers and one of the characters in the book is a guy named Syme who's working on you know adve- you know developing the language of newspeak and writing dictionaries for newspeak mm-hmm. and he ends up uh, you know because he knows so much about what newspeak is all about and what it's designed to do um, you know he has a conversation with Winston in the book and then Winston says I think Syme's going to be an unperson before long. And sure enough, you know, later mm-hmm. in the book, Syme disappears. And, and uh, in a very Stalin-esque move, he, you know, and there's a famous picture of Stalin with somebody who was later disgraced. And the picture was retouched uh, using the technology of the 40s or whatever, you know, era mm-hmm. that was to take that person out of the photo. And so that person became an unperson. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to uh, to Simon in the book. Okay. Rick, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but let's just back up just a little bit. In the last segment, I had mentioned, we were talking about the Brandenburg Cross, this uh, the Supreme Court ruling regarding uh, the the fact that this peace cross can remain standing. It's been there, you know, honoring people since World War One, people that gave their lives. And uh, and uh, so the question was whether or not that this was establishing a certain religion. And, and I made the case, and I think I do want to clarify a bit, regarding uh, religion. Uh, in the Establishment Clause, let's get right to it again, it says that Congress shall make no law respe- respecting an establishment of religion. And at that point... I pulled in and said that religion, I, I believe, is a belief system. Now, I've had people push back and say that that definition had to be metaphysical. I don't think so. 
I don't think that that's what the, the founders meant. So it's, it is a belief system. And then I brought up the example of the LGBTQ agenda, where we're seeing that that religion is being, government dollars are being used to, to teach that. We had uh, House Bill 1032, which is now law here in Colorado, which says that you have to teach the uh, sexual experiences of LGBTQ. Well, that seems to me like government is establishing a religion. So let's, let's take that over there. But you also mentioned, and, and I too, I have very good friends, you know, on an individual level. Um, I have family members that are gay, and I care deeply about them as individuals. So I want to make sure that I break those two things apart. But in Newspeak, there's so many people that won't even talk about this right now because you've got the thought police with this whole LGBTQ religion over here that may come after you. Uh, but I think that we need to have some courage to be able to pull those two things apart and say, I love you, I care about you as an individual, but this is not okay to be using government money to push forward this particular religion. Your comment. Well, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, to clarify, I, I have zero problem with anybody's choices of, or how they live their life or, or whatever. It's when you take, it's when you expect the force of government to, to impose your values and your views and your thoughts on other people that I take exception. And this is, you know, a classic case of, of, um, you know, government embracing a thought system or a religion and, and, and imposing it on others. And the reason for the establishment cause was because England had the church of England as the official state religion. And we didn't want to have an official state religion here in America. And, and, you know, we should all live together harmoniously and, you know, that there could have been another cemetery where you know, most of the people who were buried there were Jewish and it could have had a star of David and it should be allowed to stand because that's the symbol of, of mm-hmm. their religion. Or, you know, if it had been a group of Muslim people who were killed, you know, and they should have uh, the symbol of their religion in, in that cemetery. It doesn't, you know. Government should be neutral when it comes to these kinds of things. And I think that Justice um, Alito is exactly right in his uh, ruling on that. Okay. Let's go to break. Let's continue. What sh- maybe how some uh, redefinition of words, because uh, uh, Newspeak, you want to go with that? Yeah, yeah. Stay with that. Okay. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. I have Rick Turnquist in studio. We are talking about George Orwell's 1984. Be sure and check out my website and Facebook. Uh, we just got this posted, this uh, very, very important um, publication that you've done regarding Colorado Democrats 1984 in Newspeak. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Thrilled to have in studio with me, uh, Rick Turnquist. We're talking about this very important piece that is up on my website as well as on Facebook. Be sure and uh, take a look at it, like it, comment on it. It's Colorado Democrats, 1984 in Newspeak. And uh, somebody said, uh, can you give an example of uh, double think? Right. So double think is one of the key concepts in the book. And uh, what double think is, is it's when a person accepts two mutually contradictory beliefs as correct. And it's kind of related to the concept of cognitive dissonance, except that in the case of cognitive dissonance, the person is experiencing discomfort due to the contradictory ideas, beliefs, or values they hold. With doublethink, there's no, con- there's no awareness of conflict or contradiction. And a great example of, of doublethink is the way that the party in the novel ra- named the various ministries that it had as the organs of the government in, uh, in the Oceania. The Ministry of Plenty controlled the economy and 
the result uh, under a socialist system, as we see in real life, modern day Venezuela, is uh, starvation and permanent economic hardship. The Ministry of Peace uh, was concerned with waging permanent war. The Ministry of Tr- Truth was the propaganda arm of the party, similar to uh, to the mainstream media in, in modern-day America. And it was also responsible for changing historical records, uh, which conformed to party orthodoxy. And finally, the Ministry of Love was the regime's secret police who spied on the subjects of Oceania. I won't call them citizens because they weren't citizens in the sense that we're citizens mm-hmm. in America. Uh, arrested people for thought crimes, imprisoned, tortured, brainwashed, and murdered them. Oh, okay, can I jump in here? Sure. Because of this whole double thing thing, I'm just thinking right now, because you're saying double think is people have contrary uh, um, issues here, but they don't even see that there's there's some... Okay, I have three words that I'm going to mention to you right now that I think is happening right here. Tolerance. Mm-hmm. People that s- preach tolerance, but yet you see they're the ones that are not tolerant. That's right. And they, I don't think they realize it. That, okay. No, they don't. Or inclusion. We are seeing uh, that all there's, you know, big money being spent by corporations to, you know, light up their their buildings in the rainbow colors and and uh, talk about inclusion. And I think they that's what they think. However, again, I go to the Jack Phillips thing is they are not, they're not saying that they're not including his ideas. That's not okay. And so, they but I think they think they're inclusive and then diversity. I mean, those are three words that are coming up to me. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's more examples. You know, Antifa, the group that goes out and, and uh, you know, riots and, and protests conservative speakers like Ben Shapiro on, co- on college stuff camp- up, yeah. campuses. Right. They're, they're terrorists. And, you know, they're, Antifa is short for anti-fascist. When, in fact, they're the real fascists because of their tactics and their goals, which is silencing the free speech of the opposition. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's, there's some more examples you can throw out there. Gun safety, for example, replaces gun control. And uh, we have free college because, you know, that sounds way better, but it's not free. Nothing's free. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just think about what's, what's the value of something you get for free? Yeah. Um, and, and just a quick note is if somebody decides not to go to college, let's say that they decide to go to trade school, they get into the workforce immediately and start paying taxes. How is it fair that they have to pay for somebody else's free college? Well, it's not fair, of course. And, uh, ah. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and in fact, the whole concept of fairness, you know, the, the left loves to talk about fairness, but they're, you know, they fairness is is what people on the libertarian side believe, you know, is equality of opportunity. Everybody's equal under the law. There's no special cases. There's no special groups. Everybody is subject to the same law. And, and in their world, you know, you carve out this group for this special treatment and that group for that special treatment. That's why identity politics is so important to the left. And we just talked about this this week. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, in essence, there's, they're not equal rights then, you know, and instead, you know, how about if we, as you mentioned, equal, equality of opportunity and that people are hired and fired on the content of their character, excellence, those kinds of things instead of that descriptor. So there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. That's right. Go ahead. More. Um, so, you know, you talked about freedom of speech. That, that term only applies to uh, – speech that leftists approve of. Opposing viewpoints are silenced. And how do they silence opposition? They do it by bullying the opposition, by smearing, ignoring, insulting, uh, deflection, 
there are entire groups of people devoted to silencing the opposition. And you see this on Twitter. When, when you, you know, if you put something out there that people don't like, then you get hammered mercilessly uh, by, by the opposition until, until you're, you know, basically bullied off the platform. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, I see it every day uh, in the co-politics hashtag where, you know, somebody will say something and they get hammered mercilessly by the, by the opposition. There's, there's leftist sock puppets out there who spend all day long just hammering Cory Gardner because they hate him. I can't decide if they hate Cory Gardner Worse than Donald Trump, but it's a pretty close, uh, pretty close tie. But you know what? I think that that is really a strategy because, uh, you know, they want to unseat uh, Cory Gardner. So they're out there early. You know, that's what they're doing is trying to discredit that. And that's the same thing that they're doing with, with Donald Trump. That's why it's important to 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 not be just on one platform, to, to try to search out truth. That's right. And, and you know, I'll just make another comment about Cory Gardner. I know a lot of my Republican friends um, – have problems, you know, with things they're, you know, votes that Cory Gardner's done over the years. And I don't agree with Cory Gardner on everything. And, and the fact of the matter is I don't agree with my best friends on everything. Sometimes but, I don't agree with myself. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, and, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Cory Gardner's doing a good job as our senator. I believe he deserves to be reelected. And I'll tell you one thing, he's going to be better than anybody who's competing to replace him with a D next to their name. Well, and you know what? I think it's going to be Hickenlooper. And, you know, Hickenlooper is out there touting this great economy that we have here in Colorado. And I would submit to you that one of the reasons that we have had a good economy is because we have had Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And he, before he left office, took a good swipe at that. And so now he's out there trying to portray himself as this brilliant, uh, you know, pro-business economist, when in essence... If you look at his policies, they are socialist, and there's nothing social about socialism. That's right. And the fact of the matter is I agree with you that uh, Tabor, is, Tabor is one factor in, in the success of our economy over the last uh, you know, 30 years since mm-hmm. it was voted on. And, and the, the fact of the matter is that we've seen several initiatives come, through, come over the pike, you know, in the form of uh, proposed amendments over the years to raise our taxes. Mm-hmm. And Coloradans consistently vote these, these amendments down by significant numbers. I think the last one was Amendment 66. It was a $1 billion tax increase to fund the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was roundly defeated. And in the last election, you know, there was tax increases. That big that income were, tax yeah, increase. They were voted West. down handily. So Coloradans have, have shown consistently by their votes over the last, uh, you know, several elections that they are not in favor of higher taxes. But that doesn't stop the Colorado Democrats from trying to make, pay higher taxes. And I want to also say the Republicans. And There's some Republicans as well. So this is true. We need, and, to hold, we need to hold them accountable. And, and that's, that's quite true. You know, I'm, re- I'm really sorry that Principles of Liberty went on hiatus this year because they, they, they did a great job of, of analyzing bills and, and, and outlining why they supported or opposed them. It's and, so much work. And, and then they graded all the legislators. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post about this a few years ago, you know, called Time for a Change at the State Capitol after I looked at the scorecards that they put together for the legislature as it existed then. And, you know, every Democrat got an F on mm-hmm, the principles mm-hmm, of liberty, mm-hmm. and many Republicans did too. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, you know, we need to elect people who are more liberty-minded and who are more freedom-minded. But more than that, we need to make the case on why we should elect those people. And, and that's where we need to really spend our efforts, uh, I think, is on making the case for freedom and liber- limited government and electing candidates who will advance those causes. Well, and as surveys show that, that people still 
really prefer freedom in versus force. So, uh, hey, Rick, this has gone quickly. We're going to have to have you back. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, final thought. What would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, I'd like to just ask the listeners to, uh, to read the book, 1984. It's a short read. It's entertaining. Uh, read my blog post on Kim's website and check out my blog, To Advance Freedom, where I talk about how words mean things. I talk about uh, Second Amendment issues and, uh, and overall freedom issues. And thank you, Kim, for having me on today. Well, and, and I, I totally agree. And I thought that what you mentioned regarding the double speak on that is that they use gun safety when in essence the ultimate goal is gun control and uh, there is a reason why the right to bear arms is in in the uh, constitution as well uh, because our founders really i think they understood the problems that uh, could face us in in a society of 1984 and people ask you know how could how could the germans let hitler take power and do all these horrible things and the fact of the matter is Starting with the Weimar Republic, which was the government in place before the Nazis came to power, gun control was a very much a part of life in, in Germany mm-hmm. after World War One. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's an armed citizenry that prevents things like like Nazi Germany or Socialist Russia or Communist Russia from happening. That's for sure. So we need to fight. And uh, Peter Mullenberg, he was a Lutheran pastor. In Woodstock, Virginia, 1776, he said, There's a time for all things, a time to preach and a time to pray. Those times have passed away. There's a time to fight, and that time has now come. And that is where we are right now. We need to fight.